Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi there. I hope you're having a great July, like we are, although crazy. Um, it welcome is, to Ayers on the Road. Welcome to Ayers on the Road. We are really uh, excited today to talk about something that we're totally immersed in. Yeah, and we should say it is a gorgeous, beautiful summer morning as we record the show. And here we are in July, and here we are in Park City, and and we're just so happy to come into the, the heart of summer because it's when we gather all of our far-flung family together. And I know it's good to be on Zoom and to talk to people and to have social media and so on, but there's nothing like actually being under the same roof. There isn't. Uh, there's really nothing like it because, honestly, it is quite a logistical drama. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, getting them all here. Number two, finding vehicles for all of them to get around where they need to go because if you've tried to rent a car lately, you know that you might as well be, you know. A millionaire. Yeah. Um, and honestly, we, um, my dear Richard just loves to collect cars. It's so oh, nice not this get time that. of year. But it is good. We've got a bunch of old we cars. We do have a bunch of old cars that people <laughs> can use. And, and, you know, we're just waiting for the first call, like we're stranded on the side of the road. <laughs> it <laughs> but makes it adventuresome. It does. But we are thrilled. We have, um. An exciting adventure coming up tonight, starting tonight. Starting tonight. We'll get into that in a minute, and uh, hopefully you'll find it interesting. But I did want to say that we uh, we just sent out a little paper, a little essay, kind of an article thing on summer gatherings for families and summer reunions and how to do it without spending a fortune and, and on different budgets and what the key elements are of of good family gatherings and how to get past the little inevitable disagreements and frictions that always happen when families come together in an intense setting. And, and we've sent it out. We, we've started a grandparenting class. And if you're a grandparent or if you know a grandparent, which you might, we just encourage you to go to grandparenting 101. I think they've com. heard this Grandparenting before. If you've been listening com. along, you've well, but probably I'm wondering heard this before. But, but hopefully there's some new people. Is even though we haven't started the class until September, we're sending out these little articles or essays on different aspects of family. And we want you to get them. So if you register, you'll start getting these little essays on different aspects, different approaches to having good family times in the summer. Well, I think I, I should start out today by saying that a couple of weeks ago at our church, we had, uh, it was actually Father's Day, but a woman who spoke toward the end of her talk said something really interesting. She said, don't let anyone ever tell you it is easier to have all those little kids 
than it is to have adult kids. <laughs> and I thought, wait, that is so hard when you have all those little kids. That is the hardest thing in the world. I mean, physically and mentally, it's just so hard to keep it up. And then since then, so many friends have had so many problems. And then with we, older kids, with older kids, with adult kids uh, who sometimes have their kids and so on. And then we have some stirring of the pot at, <laughs> at our house too with uh, grandchildren. And it is just really, really interesting. Um, and there's nothing better than just talking about it, being able to um, share and uh, get some advice and, and some help and so on from each other. We, we appreciate that. Well, too. that whole sweep of life, I mean, it makes, when you look back on the, the things you worried about where, where, where many of our children are now with little babies and little children, it's exhausting. It's hard. It's, it's a, you know, trying of your patience. And it's worrying. There are hard worrying. things. But when you compare that to some of the things that, that our friends and us to some extent are going through with older children on, you know, should this, should this granddaughter or in their case, daughters, you know, what is the relationship with this guy and, and what is happening here? And is this going to be our new in-law and on and on and on and these big issues and how are we going to support our families? And it is just, that's what life it's, it's a, it isn't any easy little swim in the lake. No, it is not. <laughs> we appreciate that because we learn so much from every experience that we have. And that leads us right into, as you all know, if you're regular listeners to Hires on the Road, the second week of the month is when we get into gratitude journals. And um, the, the first week of the month, sorry, and we're, we're toward the end of the first week of the month. But the theme for July in our family, in our gratitude journals is family. And uh, again, if you're a new listener, you should know that we, we all try to keep a gratitude journal. We don't, we're not perfectly faithful at it, but we try to write in it as many days as we can during the month. And we've this year been trying to introduce a new approach each month, a new sort of look, a new paradigm, a new perspective on gratitude. And this month in July, appropriately, because so many of us have reunions and gatherings, the theme is family. And we want to read you some, a little bit of poetry, a little bit of sort of hopefully emotional wording that will help us all to think about our families in maybe a little bit of a fresh way. And then we'll have a challenge for you on the kind of entries we would challenge you and ourselves to make in our gratitude journals during the month of July. So let's just read you a couple of thoughts and comment on some of the feelings of family in July, irrespective of how old you are, how old your kids are, or where you are in a family, or what role you play in a family, this should apply to all of us. Well, we've just all gone through the 4th of July together as a nation, and uh, the picture in this book is fireworks, and that is what the fam family is about. There's right. a lot of fireworks, right. but this is called family. We'll read it slowly and let you think about it. Gratitude radiates from family like sparks from flint and steel and fireworks. The one who lights our eye and the children that light our lives. 
No family is perfect. All families have challenges, but commitment is what cements family joy. As we grasp the foreverness of family and feel the security of saying, it is you and it will always be you, gratitude floods in. The harsh uncertainty of the outside world is neutralized by the sureness and security of the inside home, where we celebrate commitment and popularize parenting and validate values. So when you think about joy and you think about gratitude and you think about being in tune with the things that are most important in life and trying to elevate them above all the trivial things that happen that we have to attend to, we always come back to family. So let's go on and we'll, let's read little parts and then we can comment, Linda. Then we venture forth strong into the outer because of the inner gratitude we carry always with us. In other words, it's our family where it all starts. And that's what sustains us. The inner inside our homes is what sustains us as we go out into the outer to do our jobs or to be our professional lives or to exercise our hobbies and our recreation and so on. It's, it's the home that's the center. For partners, Thanksgiving's lens focuses light, white hot, on the precise center of the gratitude bullseye, the one, our other half, the burning focal point of love, the blessing above all blessings. So it not only starts with family, it starts in the case of those of us who are married, with that one other person who we wish to become one with and who is our motivation and our strength above all else. <clears throat> saying I love you more than all else and more than myself is like saying my ultimate thanks is for you and to you. No greater love, no greater gratitude, neither can be said too often. And nothing can provide more power and more peace for parents. Thanksgiving is not only our reward, but their methodology, because gratitude is the antidote to the entitlement attitudes that would destroy our families and our kids. So I want you to think <laughs> about that. The idea that gratitude, as we approach it in July, is not only for our family, but to our family. Not only, I'm not only grateful for Linda, I'm grateful to Linda. And so what's magical about that is that the gratitude and thanks we feel is not only our reward, it is our methodology. In other words, by being grateful, we become more aware and we become more attuned and we become more attentive to our family and to our partner. So gratitude is not just what happens after we think of something we're thankful for. It is a mode or a method or a paradigm, a perspective, if you will, that causes us to be more aware of those we love most and to treat them even better. You know, sometimes I think we just take for granted that our kids are doing what they're doing. I mean, there are some are in trouble, others are not. And 
we should really appreciate more often the thing, the person they are, the people they are, and just be so grateful that they're doing as well as they are given the circumstances. Well, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? We tend to focus so much of our mental energy and our time on what we're worried about. Right. We, we did that this morning. We woke up today. And what did we think of first? The things we're worried about, the things we're uneasy about with different members of our family and so on. And that's good in the sense that that's what you want to focus your attention on and do what you can to solve any problems that are there or to at least be aware of them. But wouldn't it be great if a little more we could say, you know, think about our family, 90% of of things are going well, you know, it's just those 10% or whatever that we maybe need yeah. to And if you only about. have two children, 50% could be doing well. <laughs> well, right. You know. And it's a little like, you know, <clears throat> we sometimes wake up at our age and look at each other and say, well, what hurts on you today, you know? <laughs> and maybe we should stay and say instead, you know, about 95% of my body right now feels just fine. It's just that 5% that's killing me. <laughs> exactly. So turning, I mean, it's it's the oldest cliche in the world, right? Is the glass half empty or is it half full? Right. So going on here a little bit, and we're we're reading from a book we did a couple of years ago called Daily Thanks, trying to focus more on these kinds of gratitude. And this is for the month of July, as we mentioned, and it's about family. So here we go with another little passage. Children, particularly young, unspoiled ones, possess the natural gift of gratitude. But it is unlit. We can spark it, not by telling them to say thank you, but by letting them see us say it repeatedly all day to friends, to teachers, to God, and even to them. Do you think, Linda, you can ever sort of overuse the word thank you? I mean, can it just get... Oh, would you please quit saying thank you? You've said it a hundred times today. I mean, is is that a problem some people have? Oh, they're just too thankful. They just <laughs> express it too much. Oh, gosh, would you just please scale that back? I don't know anyone like that. I don't either. But And I think the, the more they hear you say it and see your happiness as you do, the more they will emulate both the saying and the feeling. Yeah, good point. Let's. Let's take a little break. We're just kind of getting warmed up today. In the second half, we're going to go even quite a bit deeper into this family gratitude. And we're going to try to be as personal as we can about it. So hang in there with us. We'll take a brief break and come right back with the second half of Ayers on the Road. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking about gratitude for family, no matter where you are, whether you're really mad at somebody in your family or you're really glad about somebody, somebody in your family, it's good to think about it. So here's a little more on sort of how to get into this mode of more gratitude for family. Start with the conscious realization that family matters most. Realize that most things we do are merely the means for the same end. And the end is family. Sort the means from the ends with one simple question. Why? Why do you work? 
Why do you strive? Why do you pray? Why do you eat? Why do you care? Ultimately, the answer to every why is family. Now, that's a pretty bold statement, Linda. Do you think, is that, is that over the top? Is that an exaggeration? Why do we do, why do we work? Why do we strive? Why do we pray? Why do we care? Do all those questions ultimately lead back to family? Man, I'm thinking about that. And I'm thinking even if you're single, um, there, of course, not just that you want to make your family happy, but you come from a family that believes in you and, and really believes that you are going to succeed. So it really makes a difference in what you do. And family, again, broadly defined. It doesn't mean you have to be a parent with a lot of kids. It can be your uncle. It can be your aunt. It can be your cousin. Ultimately, family, I mean, again, we're, we've mentioned a couple of old cliches, and we apologize for that, but blood is thicker than water. Family is what ends up mattering. That's what we're trying to teach all our little grandkids at this reunion that's coming up is that, hey, your cousins are more than friends. You've got a lot of friends you like and so on at home and in your school and so on, but now you're with your cousins. And guess what? Those friends will come and go, but these cousins will always be your cousins. They're, all, they're more like siblings than they are like friends. They're, they're above friends. You know, and I think siblings are, go for the same, go in the same channel because I, my sister gave me a little plate that I have say little things on by my sink. And it says, always your sister, but forever your friend. And I think that is really important to sibling relationships. May so turn them into eternal yeah. friends. Yeah. So just let us wrap this up and then give you a challenge. And it's a really, it's a tough challenge. And we're going to really challenge ourselves this, this week too. Would there be a parallel ratio between how much you value a thing and how grateful you are for it? That's an interesting question. Is there a parallel ratio between how much you value something and how grateful you are for it? The level of importance proportionate to the level of thanks. If so, no contest. We're most grateful for family, but gratitude and joy do not linger like a heavy blanket. Rather, they come in flashes, in moments, and we recognize them as a gleam in the eye. You can't, we're not suggesting you go around flooded with gratitude every minute of every day, but when those little moments, little moments, you like to talk about moments, Linda, when we really feel something deeply, that's what we hold on to. That's where the deep gratitude is. Yeah, uh, it's so true. And I, I had a moment yesterday um, when a daughter of my dear, dear friend called, and this is a high school friend that we've known each other for, yeah, you know, yeah. 50 years, 55 years. And um, we have, uh, we ever since COVID, we've had a call. Uh, we call ourselves the gang. Then we started calling them gangsters. And then, <laughs> and now we're calling gang sisters. And uh, we are just are such good friends and we've stayed in contact every other month or so we have a call and she just wasn't on the call yesterday. And then I got a call from her daughter in the afternoon saying she had just was so sick in the night. They took her to the hospital and she's been sick for a couple of months. And to make a long story short, she has stage four colon cancer, which is spread to her kidneys. And 
I just think life is so fragile. Like yesterday, last a month ago, when we talked, she was fine, not fine, but you know, great. And honestly, it life is so fragile. It just makes you think, oh gosh, should I have been a better friend? And, and we have communicated a lot through the years. She's a great writer and I've loved her so much, but I just think, wow, every minute is important with people in the world. And something like that kind of has to happen to wake you up and think these relationships are so important in our lives. And to put you in perspective of the relative unimportance, maybe of the things you're worried about right now. I mean, we were right before we heard this terrible news, we were struggling and worrying about, you know, logistics, how to get people places and why it's so complicated. And, and then after hearing this news, we're like, wow, maybe one of our greatest blessings is that our problems are so first world. And so, so small, small. So here's the challenge we want to give you for your gratitude journal this month. Okay. This month guided by your imagination and your hope, write a one paragraph description of your relationship with each member of your family five years from now, your immediate family. Now, (laughs) your, your, your spouse, your children, your parents, or if you are a single person, maybe you pick out if your parents are still alive, certainly then, and maybe your siblings, but, but your immediate family. And again, the challenge is, guided by your imagination and your hope, those are important words, write a one paragraph description of the relationship you want to have with that individual five years from now, in in the summer of 2027. And, And you may say, wow, how can I even know what it'll be like by then? And the answer is you can't. But if you use your imagination and try to write a one paragraph, just one little paragraph of the type of of, uh, how you would describe the relationship as you wish it and want it to be five years from now. And you can you can just talk about the trust level. You can write about how you joke with each other. You can write about what you do together. You can write about how it feels when you're together. And this is not as easy as it sounds. When you sit down to do it, you're, you'll get writer's cramp. How, what do I write? How do I describe something that hasn't happened yet? But if you try, our promise to you is that that little one paragraph description you've written, if you look at it every couple of weeks or so on, and maybe even add to it, that will begin to subconsciously guide how you relate to that person how you think about them, how you talk to them, how you work together, how you talk together. So I would suggest because life is crazy for us. July is just full every single day, starting tonight until the 25th of July. We're just packed in. Sometimes you don't even come up for air. Yeah, exactly. And I I think I'm going to be thinking about this, but I'm going to write down July 25th. I'm going to write some really deep, meaningful. Oh, the minute you're done with all this running around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so that I'm not hurt. So you're done I'm by the end of the month. Yeah. yeah. But um, it is really an interesting exercise. It's kind of like goal setting for a relationship. Yeah, it is. We've, and, ta- we've taught this technique to thousands of 
people. And the ones who do it, the ones who take the time and make the effort to do it, we've had some amazing responses from them. How, gee, I didn't know you could set a goal for a relationship. I always thought of a goal as an achievement, you know, get the A in the class, get promoted, um, earn more money, <coughs> those kind of goals, achievement goals. But what we're saying to you today is you can do the same thing. I mean, all a goal is, is a clear vision of something the way you want it to be at some exact point in the future. Well, and if you're just, uh, and not just, but if you are an aunt, an <laughs> uncle, a sister, brother, whatever relationships you have that are precious to you in this life, really think about what you want that to be like in five years. It really kind of blows your mind when you think of it, but it is, is so important. And then we've discovered as we get there to the five years, we may not have even referred to it, but things are better. Things have changed. I mean, it, it affects you subconsciously. I mean, we, we've tried in, in speeches where we're speaking to a group of people, we've tried saying, okay, would all of you just write down three goals that you have for five years from now? And then we collect them and look at them. And all of them are achievement goals. They're all, you know, what they want to achieve or where they want to get in their career, or how much weight they want to lose or what they want to, you know, they're all, they're all what we would call achievement goals. Never, hardly ever have we had someone write down a relationship goal because we don't usually think of relationships that way. Or if we do, we just say, oh, I want to have a better relationship in five years. Right. Well, that's not a goal. That's just a wish. But if you try to describe that relationship as you want it to be five years from now, that's a written, I mean, you know, goal setting gurus will tell you that a good goal has to be written down. It has to be specific. It has to be measurable. You have to know if you're actually getting there. And again, we usually apply those criteria to achievement goals, but they work for relationship goals except that instead of writing it in numbers and quantitative measurable terms like achievements usually are, they're more subjective, they're, they're more verbal, they're descriptive. You describe a relationship the way you want it to be. It's a powerful exercise. And hard. And hard. It's really hard to sit down and focus your mind on something like that because um, stretching your mind ahead five years, I mean, I think right now, um, we were with two little granddaughters yesterday. One is 10 in five years. She'll be 15. Yeah. Yeah. She'll yeah. Be with kids. You're like, child. How do you even imagine Anina as a 15 year old? I know. When you well, said you with can, kids, I thought, no, she's not going to have kids. <laughs> you, you can do it though. You yeah. Can, it you. is really amazing. And, and then it gets wilder as you go on, you know, in five more years, she'll be 20. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's just amazing how much it takes life a lot changes. of imagination. Yeah. But in, in our gratitude journal, it, uh, the, the headings are description of my relationship with blank five years from today. And then there's just room for one little paragraph. So you have to think hard about it. Yeah, not long. You, you can revisit it. If once you've, once you've written these little paragraphs, put them in a place where you can look at them every couple of weeks or, or as often as you're maybe sitting down and doing your planning, look at those relationship descriptions, edit them a little, think about them, 
and start them working in your subconscious mind to guide how you deal with that person, how you speak to them, how you respect them, how you listen to them, the questions you ask them. This can be a powerful thing. It can be very powerful, especially if you have a little rift with somebody in your family uh, or some where you can't really totally agree with what they're doing right then. It really is amazing to sit down. This is a really big problem right now, but in five years, how is this going to work out? And what do I want my relationship to be with that child or that sibling or spouse or aunt, uncle, cousin, brother, you know, whatever. I'll just give you a couple little quotes to end with that are not from us or from our uh, writing, but from others that, that tie in a little bit. This is one by Sir John Templeton. How wonderful it would be if we could help our children and grandchildren to learn Thanksgiving at an early age. And that That's we sweet. would add that. Yeah. Are you who are parents? See if you can get your children to write a little relation description, relationship description. Say a brother with a sister. What will our relationship be in five years? Yeah, that could make a difference. And that that could make a difference. Um, this is one from Shakespeare from King Lear, which is interesting. Oh, I like this. How sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. <laughs> <laughs> a thankless child I, I is like sharper it. than a serpent's tooth. So we can teach our children to be involved in this kind of wonderful um really wonderful sort of exercise on relationships. And let us end with one by George Bernard Shaw. I don't know exactly what he meant by this, but I know what it means to me. <laughs> right. And that's what you have to look at. A happy family is but an earlier heaven. And if you are in the throes of something really hard with your family right now, it does not feel like heaven. But we really promise you that if you are working on those relationships and really concentrating on how they are now and how you want them to be in the future, it will make a huge difference in making a happy family. Perfect ending, Linda. Happy summer to you all. And we'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye.